Welcome to episode 545 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio Jumbo, welcome along to episode five, four, five of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James. Oh, how you going, mate? I'm pretty good, thank you. Round two? Round two. Ding, ding. Ding, ding. I've been going for a couple of hours this week because this time when this show comes out, I'll be lying on the beach in Kaiteri for my mm. Christmas holiday. Do you lie on the beach much? Yeah. What do you do? do, you, what do you, how, how do you work it? Do you read a book first? Uh, kind of got to make sure the kids don't drown. That's yeah, main, that's, that's, that's the main fundamental. Objective. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but Kaiteri's beach is pretty good because it's pretty tame, isn't it? Yeah, kids can still drown pretty easily. Yeah, so generally kitty watching. Mm. What, what book are you taking away for you? I've just started another book. I don't have to, kind of don't have a clue what the name of the book is, but I'll I'll figure that out and I'll let you know. But it's a good book. I've started. What kind of book? Thriller. Yeah, it's kind of a someone who's been like the. Secret services and gone out, and oh. now they're trying to chase him and kill him and oh, get him. Good times, yeah. love it. Okay, guys, I am talking. Is proudly brought to you by Athlinks.com. Social networking for endurance athletes. Extreme Your lactic buffer and our patrons. And let's name a few: Jumbo, Tynan, the Barbarian, Narawatsky. Yes. That, that, I'll give you that one. That's really good. Adam Himes, he's Nightwing. Rebecca Bullseye Spears. Mark Fernando. Abby, I reckon we went with Abba. Yes. Fernando. Marion Creaming the Moose. <laughs> creaming the Moose. Well, his his nickname's Moose. Oh, okay. But I don't know where we got the creaming that from. Oh, that's gold. Creaming the Moose. <laughs> Let's not even go there. Okay, guys, this week's show is a little bit different because what's happening is we are going to be doing, it's kind of a bit of a highlight of this of the year, and then we're going to interview with Dr. Thames and Lewis. We have indeed. With Sporty Doc. Sporty Doc. And what are we talking about there, Jumbo? Basically doing blood testing and urine testing and some stool samples and, and she's basically been doing that in terms of analysing people's sort of adrenal function if they're dysfunctional and the adrenal, adrenaline hormones, all that sort of stuff. So it's a pretty, we skim the surface on a pretty full-on topic. Yeah, it really is, but she's pretty knowledgeable with the young ladies, so that's pretty cool. And then we've got some statistics. Do we have a coach's corner? We do. I've got a coach's corner. Very good. I actually even looked at the show notes. Questions and answers at the end. So this news this week, because we're recording this, and obviously we haven't had a week in between, so we don't really know the news, but there's we no thought race, we'd start. There's no racing going on anyway at the moment. Yeah, but something big might have happened in the it sport. could have been, yeah. You know? Like John Key retired, no one saw that coming. No, no. <laughs> you, know, you know, who knows what Iron could Man have announced $6 million prize money for uh, every race next year. Every race next year. Yeah. And then challenge, John's come out of retirement suddenly. Challenge have doubled down, they've gone $12 million yep. for Roche. John, yep, John thinks he's going pro. And it will be a $5 million bonus. If they went, if they went $12 million to 20th. What about sub, uh, sub 730? A bonus. Million dollars. That's a good idea. Go sub 7.30 at Rote. I've said this a few times. But only one person could get it, couldn't it? It's only going to be, it's going to be a bit harder course now with that run course. There's going to be a few extra minutes on there. Do you think that kind of spoils Rote a little bit? Because one of the things about Rote is it's a fast race. Mm -hmm. And since they've changed that course, does it kind of take away, well, I suppose we'll have to wait and see, is it a fast race still? But it kind of, we kind of feel it's not going to be. Oh, I just think, it'll be a few minutes. I know, but still. Hmm. Rote, a few Rote Austria. A few minutes is a few minutes. It's, yeah. You know, 
Because uh, right was a bit coarse. We were thinking, well, we might get a seven, sub seven thirty there. Mm. What is it? Seven thirty six, isn't it? I think so. Yeah. So yeah, it'll be interesting. Mm. Okay, Jonbo. So if, well, instead of doing news, we're going to have a bit of a discussion. And last week, John wisely foresaw that we we kind of wouldn't have content for the news. So he went on Facebook and he said. What have been the highlights of 2016 in the triathlon world for us? Top so. three, and people have been very good at keeping things succinct. And so we've got lots uh, of bullet points? And some, some good bullet points, uh, it's all good. Uh, we'll kick off with, with listeners, I've got a few thoughts around my highlights as well. Uh, Lee Thomas, seeing Terenzo finally get the full distance win under his belt, um, showing hard work and perseverance pays off, seeing Reef smash it at Kona, and of course triathlon wouldn't be the same without John's rant, always good. Happy Crimbo boys. Thanks for another great year of podcast. What does Crimbo mean? Christmas, I guess. Oh, yeah, of course, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> Think about Bev. Okay, I have an extra, I'm just pulling this up here. Okay, number two. Was that Lee, was it? Yep. Okay, I've got Joshua Crabble. Crab? Do you reckon Crab or Crabble? Crab. Crab, okay. Uh, all the backlash when WTC called Lionel Sanders' time at Arizona the world record proved to be to me that the sport isn't quite ready to roll over and succumb to the power of the almighty dollar. Or at least when it finally does, uh, we'll have a clear conscious around uh, what went on in the fight. Yeah. I'm still fired up about it. I said on last week's show, I'm still fired. I'm still really fired up about it. And... They just treated us like morons, and I don't like being treated like a moron. Yeah, yep. absolutely no, not at all. Lassie Stengard Jensen, Keenlay versus Reed going head to head. I haven't seen this, and we, we we interviewed you would have listened to an interview of Peter Reed last week. Oh, not Peter Reed, Tim Reed. Um, and I'm going to watch it today, mm. or something, or maybe tonight, because it, as he's talking about it, you can goosebumps as he's talking about it, mm. and I imagine imagine being in the crowd. I'm, I would love to have the, that road experience when you ride through the crowd. Mm. Now that's an amazing experience, but not it's not when you're trying to win a race. Yeah, you know, imagine running through thousands and thousands of people, and you, you know, you you're at the limit of your max, mm. and it's you and another guy on your shoulder. That experience is just going to be mind blowing. Absolutely. Yeah. So he was saying that he was saying the Keenlay versus uh, Boucher pushing each other to the limit in Frankfurt. Oh yeah, great! And that was a different duel. Not I haven't seen that one, but I think that was more that duel. They were really close to each other the whole time. But the, but but uh, Keenlay versus Reed was shoulder to shoulder stuff. And then his third one was Patrick Lang breakthrough race and run course record in Kona. And that was phenomenal because if he didn't get the time penalty on the bike, yeah, who knows what would have happened. So that was that was that was out of nowhere, wasn't it? He just looked so fast. It was yeah. so much faster than anybody else. Sure, Macklin, because he went sub two forty, didn't he? Yep. Yeah. Um, sure, Macklin. Uh, Johnny Brownlee meeting melting. melting like Yorkshire pudding in Cozumel, and the ensuing debate over whether this Schumann should have have celebrated as much. With excitement from the US as they finally won gold with Gwen and Rio. And then to wind up, Newsom, the Ironman will record by you've just, Sanders. You just wound me up there, Sean, you're tall. You Are put you an tall? E on my name. Oh, that's a double wind up. <laughs> John, if you want to really annoy John, you put an E on his name. Yeah. When years ago, we made these t-shirts and stuff. There was a, there was a, there was a place called, I can't remember what they're called. And you, you could basically get merchandise made and you put your logos and they did it all for you. And one of the t-shirts I made was, there's no E in Newsome. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's right. I should have got that t-shirt for you. Uh, ben Sala, uh, number one, Ironman World Records, both of them. 
feels like he's winding me up a bit there as well. Nice. Reef back to back. Yeah, that was pretty phenomenal, yeah. wasn't it? And third equal Brownleys at the Olympics in Mexico, plus Tim Reed and Keenlay at the 70.3 Worlds. Okay, we've got uh, Matthew Berg. He's got Brownlee dragging the Brownlee bread dragging Brownlee to the finish at Cozumel. Um, Amy Stretton controversy and a number, what was that? I'm pretty sure that's what we talked about before. The, the age grouper? The age grouper. So I think she's a Kiwi who, yeah, been subsequently DQ'd from the ITU World Long Distance Champs. And then number one for him was the old man Cam Brown smashing the course record at Ironman New Zealand. That was pretty cool, actually. I've kind of forgotten about that. But, you know, he's definitely kind of close to the end. And he might race for a few more years. But, you know, to beat his, his record or beat the record... It was pretty phenomenal, wasn't it? It was. Yeah, pretty it great. It was awesome. Yeah. Uh, Mick Simpson, uh, Ali Brownlee at the Olympics. Uh, the Leeds ITU, just amazing support and personally competing the outlaw half from start, starting couch to 5K in 2015 wow. and not being able to run for a minute to completing a six-hour half and enjoying every minute of it. Nice work. That is pretty cool. Uh, Julian Stockwell, Epic Camp, Louis De Giuseppe. How do you say his last name? Louis De Giuseppe. He's a great guy. I was just, it was a, and the an camera, inside joke. That is all. I don't know. Yeah, it's something joke. that can't come on the show? Yeah, there was a camera incident, a photo taken of someone in a somewhat compromising position okay. in a triathlon race, okay. which was an informal triathlon race. Nude, nude, involved nudity. Oh, okay, nice. Because Louis is the one who saw my partner naked. Remember that? Yes. <laughs> Maybe nudity follows Louis. <laughs> and, and I remember that's a. I've told him before on the show. Yeah. <laughs> he just goes to me. There is a god. <laughs> Shane uh, Shane Richards, Frodo back to back, and Daniela Reef back to back. Lionel Sanders going warp speed. I think he's the one who we're going to watch for next year, isn't he? You know, Lionel Sanders has had a good year. Yes, but, yeah. But, you know, next year, I kind of think, it, we might be sitting here next year and going, he's gone to another. Because mm. he's a freak. He is. Now, admittedly, we've got some other freaks in the sport, but, uh, you know, yeah, I, I, I really like the guy. Shane, oh, um, Andrew Blunt, Andrew Blunt uh, Brownlee Olympics, Kona Championships, both amazing. Why smashing Ironman New Zealand? That's how you get some loving, team. Yeah. That's how you get some loving. Simon Early, what do we call him? We, um, Wake up. No. <laughs> Come on, that's a cut we shit off. <laughs> Simon, wake up early. <laughs> He's got so because I, I, I'm so it, happy with myself. Motor right mouth. Now. I think it's called mo motor mouth. Oh, okay. Number one, Epic Camp, because he came over to uh, the Kona Camp. Number two, meeting me. Oh, Simon is in the talkative guy. Yes. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Number three, you were number three, Bevan, meeting Bevan. Richard Ray, ITU Cozumel, Alistair carrying Johnny over the line. Number two, uh, wrote Frodo's performance. And number three, wrote Reef's performance. Yeah, true. Good I would point. have said, I mean, Reef's performance was amazing and wrote, but I still think her Kona performance was better than wrote. Yeah. Yep. Kona was next level. Okay, Rich Walker's got uh, Spearig at the Olympics. We do. That, that hasn't had that much mention here. I mean, I know we're an, uh, an Ironman-focused program, but... Spurrigan and um, Jorgensen Olympus yeah. was, was pretty epic. I mean, it was interesting, wasn't it? Because we kind of thought Jorgensen was just going to dominate the dojo. And, and she did in, did in the end. But, but not, not in the, fashion, not in the yeah. fashion that we perhaps thought it was going to unfold. It's got Brownlee at the Cozumel and the evening seminar with Brett Sutton in London. Ooh, that would have been interesting. I, I imagine it probably went for 10 hours. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> and that was the Brett introduction. Sutton. Yeah. <laughs> Tim Ford, uh, Frodo and Rote, Reed at 70.3 Worlds and Reef. Sub two sub nines in two weeks. So remember, she did smash That's a good point. Road, That's a good point. I hadn't actually thought 
Like, to win two Ironman in two weeks yeah. is phenomenal. Two but to, distances. Well, okay, of course. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't say she was the world champion. Uh, but to, to go two sub-nines in two weeks, mm. that and is back freakish. Yeah. She's a freak. Uh, Melissa Uri, uh, the I Am Talk training weekend. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. That was awesome. It was way back, all the way back in, was it March or April? Yeah. Uh, ben Hobbs making the Kona coverage. We were lucky with the weather, weren't we? We were, yeah. Oh, yeah. Skulking champagne next to Frodo and Sebi on the run, and then John's rant about the Ironman world record. People love your rants, John. <laughs> the problem is, it encourages you to be angry. Yeah. Oh, my love, I don't want you being angry. Song Lund's got um, Paddy Lang at Kona. Yes. It's Paddy Lang, what's that one? Patrick Lang. Paddy. Oh, the, 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 the gym the guy. Gender. Okay, yep. Brownlee at Cozumel and Frodo at Root. And then Clive Asplin has got Ironman world record by Frodo and Terenzo winning. Yeah, Terenzo is a big one for me, actually. Um, Matt, Matt Appleby, Frodo, wrote and Kona. Uh, Brazzoni, Brazzoni uh, Ironman Western Australia, and Hewitt Truegrit. Because Andrea Hewitt, who had her partner. fiance, um, unfortunately died last year, but she gritted on to do the Olympics and was, yeah, she had some great races this year, so. Mm. Uh, Kenny Curry, Curran, number one, the new Ironman world record, emoji, smiley face, laughing, <laughs> trying to wind me up. Just put an E on his name, they'll help. Yeah. Number two, Spirig busting her gut, trying to break the field in Rio. And number three, the epic battle at the 70.3 world champs between Tim Reed and Sebastian Keenlay. Who called did, you? Did, he, did I mention the Ironman world record, emoji, emoji? <laughs> I love just how you called Sean Macklin. Oh, you're tall. <laughs> <laughs> I love random insults. Okay, Andy Ashton's last one. He's got, it's been a great year for triathlon with the Brits having done us proud. Watching Alistair and Johnny win the silver and gold at the Olympics. Holly Lawrence becoming new world 70.3 champion. Good points. Yeah, that's good point. She crushed that. She really did. Tim Reed and Sibby at the 70.3's awesome race and finish. John, what are your highlights? It's, it's been a good year when you kind of reflect upon this, isn't it? It is. And it's you know what's really cool about it is... It's been a good year because of great racing. Mm. You know what I mean? Like it's been, a you know, because there's, there, there's been a little bit of controversy, but it hasn't been a huge amount of controversy. It's really been a good year for watching athletes perform. Yep, absolutely. So I've kind of divided into the distances. So for Olympic distance, you know, the Brown, just seeing Alistair Brownlee, he keeps kind of so sort good. of going, oh, is he gonna, is he's injured, and he kind of comes back, and he did a few races where he wasn't crushing it to the same level. But when the A race rolls around, he just kills it pretty much every single time. And that know? was phenomenal because, you know, a year beforehand or six months beforehand, we were like, oh, is he even going to make it? Yeah. And then we are like, oh, you know, he might not be right because, you know. And then come game day. He was on another planet. And really the, way that the, the way that he assists in dominating the racing and, and making it a, a not, you know, making, you know, shutting people out of the race in terms of when they were in doing that ride and just shutting out Moeller and Murray and all those guys and just making it their own and then just... It's just so appealing to level. watch, isn't it? I remember I read the book from the Nike guy. Have you read, have you read that one? No. Phil Knight, the guy who started Nike. He wrote a book out oh, about a month ago, six weeks ago, and I, and I, I listened to it. And um, what I admire about Phil Knight was he just always lived on the edge of risk. You know, because the book is basically about Nike from day one through to the basically 1980. And he just... He was like, I'm just going to risk it all and try and make this thing happen. And, and obviously he did. And that's how kind of Johnny races. It's like... Alistair. I'm oh, sorry, Alistair. Johnny races the same way. He's yeah. on the edge. Yeah, but Alistair is like, 
sure, I'm the best guy here. I could play it safe and win this race, but I'm mm. not doing that. I'm, I'm laying on the line. Mm. And I really admire that. Mm. I don't know if I was ever that as an athlete myself, but I admire it in him. And what I thought was interesting, I think Tim Heming brought the point up, maybe when we chatted with him. International uh, roaming reporter. International roaming reporter. Was, I've, I've always got this this thing about Brownie saying, oh, if he comes to Ironman, he probably he might struggle because he might get injured and stuff. But the thing is, as you pointed out, when he comes to Ironman, he'll probably dial the intensity right back and then he probably won't be injured as much. So... Maybe he does stand a good chance at Ironman, but that's going to oh, be... Oh, I love it the day when he races Ironman. Yeah. That's going to be big for us, isn't it? It is. Over half Ironman distance, um, I think the highlight for me, a lot of people have said, you know, the the um, Tim Reid versus Keenlay, which was awesome to watch. But I think the highlight for me of the 70.3 was actually hearing about and then seeing the growth in Asia, and particularly at the 70.3 Asia Pacific Champs. So we talked to... Who was that? It's just uh, eluded me now. They were sponsoring us, remember? No, not Tanya Pora. Yeah, she's she based in Tanya Pora. Oh, oh um, um, Dimrini, whatever her name is. Dim, 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 Lee Duke. Okay, yep. and we talked to her over in Kona, and the stuffed, I stuffed up the interview, and we did one job again. <laughs> uh, and she was sort of saying how big the races are over there, and how quickly they're selling out. And then I watched the seventy point three Asia Pacific Champs, and just saw you know a big chunk of the whole bike course. Having these massive crowds everywhere. And so our sport is finding a new market. Three thousand people selling out the race and them just going nuts about it and just just hearing about that. I think for me that was a highlight in terms of the the half Ironman distance. You know, so I'm not calling it seven point three. I'm calling it half. Yeah, Ironman. No, you're such a traditionalist. And then over the Iron distance, <laughs> not not Ironman. <laughs> the, the, some of the racing, as we've talked about, was epic. Yeah. And I think, but I think for me, there's bit. The last few years, sort of the Chrissy era, we saw this big lift in the female performance yep. across the board. Yep. Sub nine was not that big a deal anymore. It was like, no. you didn't go sub nine? What the hell? That must have been a weak field. Mm. And the, everybody lifted their game. The run times, not just Chrissy and, uh, and Rinny, just the run times got better and just across the board, records were getting smashed all over the place. And I kind of feel, and I don't have stats to back this up, Torsten might be able to, but I really feel that in the last sort of year, we've seen quite a big lift on the guys' side in terms of mm. seeing lots of sub-8s mm. and lots of crushing performances. You know, So Frodo was one in, in road, and that was just out of this world. But Terenzo in Western Australia recently, Lionel Sanders at Arizona, and then we've had others sub-8s at um, Brazil. Yeah, we're seeing and, it a lot now, aren't we? And then you know, just different all, all over the place. And so I kind of feel that the girls have been kicking some ass since sort of Chrissy came up and has, has since gone but I kind of feel that the guys have, have lifted their game seeing a lot more run times in the 240s and even in the low 240s so that's exciting so do you think like if we do get the Alistair because you know like basically what happens in sport is someone lifts the bar mm. and anywhere else kind of lifts it and it's a really interesting thing that isn't it you know until someone lifts the bar here's what we're training for and then this new person comes along it's like no here's what you need just so like when the girls now rest She's off Chrissy level, but, you know, like it's kind of like that. And, you know, Frodo seems to have done that for our sport. Mm. You know, Frodo coming over to Ironman has, has lifted the bar off the men's, hasn't it? And really what's happening is the guys are responding, and this is where we need to be now. Do you think if Alistair, and maybe a little bit less, but um, Gomez, Gomez if, if you think if they come over, do we see another lifting of the bar? If they if they yeah, can execute so. well, and, and and but that, that might be the difference. If you go to a road and you've got those three together, oh, away on the bike. imagine it. 
how fast would they ride? And not necessarily, they might ride a bit faster, but they might run. use less energy in yeah. terms of getting there and then run head to head. So I think the thing with Frodo that's impressed me the most is his biking because he, I knew when he came across, he's always going to be at the front coming out of the swim. And he's if he's on form, he's going to be the fastest runner. Mm. But he's complete, I never realised how amazing a cyclist he is so but when the others come across you've seen that brownleys and gomez are both awesome on the bike you never saw that with frodo over the itu distance oh, not, not that i could recall okay. he wasn't a dominator he was a great runner and he obviously won the olympics so whereas hamish was an ex-cyclist so you would have thought if he came over he would have been really yeah. on the bike and same with bevan doherty he yep. was always an ex-cyclist um so that's probably the most impressive thing for frodo now is he's He's just a weapon on the bike as, as well as the, the run and the swim. So, no, I agree. It's been a great year. And uh, So, for me, I'd say ITU. I don't watch a lot of ITU. Olympics. Yeah, and the most interesting story was the Brownlee boys in Cozumel. That was just interesting. Mm. And it was probably the most deba debated ITU thing. Yeah, for me, the Olympics, it was pretty cool. And uh, it was kind of anything of spirit because it was the thing I was most impressed with was, was just her fight. Mm. You know, and the fact that she, you made, she made us doubt that Jorgensen was going to win. Now, Jorgensen won, and, mm. you know, like, how much did we really doubt? But she put a question out there, didn't she? Mm. You know, and not many people thought that was going to be the case. And I've never seen that... You, you see people surging and stuff like that in races, but I've never seen people slow down like that really in races before. Yeah, like, it was really slow down. It was bizarre. Yeah, it really was. Uh, Seventy point three. <clears throat> to me, to me, I'm not, <clears throat> excuse me. To me, there's a. It's probably for me highlights aren't so much races, but for me, Torenzo's big. You know, uh, there's been a, there's a, you know, Torenzo's been one of these guys who's a great athlete, had some great results, but in this last block. Hopefully it set him up for that next, you know, propel him to that next level. And, and I really love to see him come along to Conan next year. Uh, obviously local boys, so it's really important for us Kiwis. But you know, Trent's a great guy. You know, we, every time we've talked to him, he's, he's really crowd nice. favorite as well. Yeah, you know, and just a really nice guy. And so for me, that's really cool. I've got to say, as I read that, that Cam Brown performance kind of is a highlight for me as well because mm. Cam's a trooper man. Mm. You know, he must be forty now. No, he's more than forty. He's, but, he's I'm 40, I'd say he's uh, maybe 43 or 44. You know, so to pull that off, to pull off your fastest race in a race you've dominated for, you know, 12, 13 years. I'd say 43. He was a junk because I watched, started well, watching in 1993. He was second to Spencer Smith at the World Champs. No, 92. So he would have been under 20 then. So yeah, I'd, I'd, say, I'd say 43, I reckon. 43. Yeah. 43 okay. going What's your 40, prediction? 43 going on 44. Okay, come on, Wikipedia. Yeah. He currently is... Oh, they don't have his age on Wikipedia. Mm. Come on, Wikipedia, sharpen up. How old on... He's know. definitely a few years older than me. Anyway, so to me, that's a bit of a highlight from the year. To me, Kona was impressive because of the top performances, but it wasn't the most interesting race. Mm -hmm. So for me, that was probably what I... You know, like I... Reef and Frodo, you know, mm. and Frodo had a bad day in his mind. Mm. So, so, and if anything, Reef's performance was just freakish. Yeah, but it wasn't the most interesting race, you know. Yeah. So, so that in that aspect of it, I'd like to see Kona be more interesting. I'd like to see Kona have a bit more of a competitive aspect to it. Yeah, the highlights for me from Kona would have been Reef and Patrick Slang's run. I've yeah. never seen anybody run like that in Kona before. We've been there quite a few times yeah. now, and most people are. They're just shuffling along. I mean, they're still running fast. Now we take away the bike penalty. He's on. He's he's racing with Frodo. Do you think he's a potential to win it next year? I'm going to say no. He's definitely a potential, but I still think Frodo and Keenlay and and that they're at, a, they're at another level. And you know, you always got to think. Yeah, he had a bike penalty, so he got to rest for five minutes on the side of the road. Mm. So, 
Maybe that helped. Yeah. yeah. And then he didn't have to deal with the surging in the pack and stuff. So, yeah, not taking anything away from it. Um, but, yeah, I'd say he's a, he's a contender, but I'd still I'd bet the house on Frodo or Keenlake before I put it on him. But he's still very fresh, pretty new to this stuff. So Yeah, totally. Uh, any other highlights from me, IMM-wise? No, that's pretty much it. It's been a pretty cool year. Mm. Pretty cool year. Disappointed? Other than, you know, like if we think, you know, obviously oh, WTC announced world champion. Yeah, that was that was piss poor. Uh, Have we any joke tweets this year? Not that I can recall. No, there's no. Yeah, the recent uh, little British one that we talked on this last week's show. I don't recall anything... Uh, Anything too gossipy? No, let's just focus on the positive, Bevan. No, but it's, you know we're doing that reflection thing. Like th- there have been no real massive controversies this year, has there? There may well. It's de- it's December now. I'm sure there must What's be the some biggest ever controversy in triathlon. Well, Nina Craft. Yeah, yeah, I'd say that, that's yeah. right up there. Yep, totally. She won it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So that's about as big as it gets. Okay, so that's been a pretty good 2016. Definitely uh, some exciting stuff to think about as we move forward to next year. So guys, let's do a sponsor, John. Let's do that. Sponsor. Athlinks.com. Okay, talk about it, John. John, we're going to talk sponsor, but... Yes. <laughs> I, was, I was busy. I, I, I wasn't, didn't have, have my P's all done. And so I said, let's have a pause. Bevan. So I checked my emails and I got this email through from, I've got to give the person some love. Who is this from? Good old Chris Gloucester. Have we, now, have we done... The thing, uh, the, and wife, I said at the beginning of the show, there will be some news. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I'm conscious of doing is um, making sure that we don't produce fake news like that Hillary Clinton's been going on. Yeah, well, this is BBC.com. Yeah. Okay, I'll read the article. Alistair Brownlee, and you guys know this. We know this is a week ago, but this is when John and I found this out. So double Olympic triathlon champion focuses on Ironman bid. So so he's basically, Brownlee, 28, won Olympic gold medal in London and Rio, and has ruled, not ruled out a third bid for a win in Tokyo 2020. I'm going to pursue things away from triathlon, Olympic triathlon. It's important. I have different focus, Brownlee says. I have been to three Olympics, and I can't say I definitely won't be at a fourth. I'm in triathlon consists of blah 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 all triathletes have the ambition to be the most almost mystical Ironman World Championships in Hawaii says Brownlee who beat his brother Johnny into second place at the Rio Games it's very unlikely that I could do it in the next two years but I could build up my endurance and then go back after that after uh, after Tokyo as a 32 year old Brownlee has also revealed his mixed feelings of his attention that followed his decision to help his brother, blah, blah, blah. Leading, okay, let's not to worry about that. Johnny, so wait a second, I need to read that bit again. All triathletes have an ambition to do almost... I think this is just a copy of Tim, Tim Hemming's article and saying he's heading in It's very that unlikely that I could do it in the direction. next few years, That's but right, I could Tim, build Tim up my endurance yeah. and then go back to it after... Yeah, I don't think that article's telling us anything new, no, Bevan. John, I think that's saying what Tim yeah. Reed, Tim Hemming said. Yeah, international he's going to do 70.3 and he might go down the Ironman So I was saying he's put a bit of focus on training. Mm. The, the article here is kind of saying he's going to focus on a bit of training. But I'm going to put a four-year prediction on here. If he did go and do Kona, say in 2018. It's going to be 32, after 32. absolutely no way he'll win gold in Tokyo if he, if he then went Ironman and then went back to Tokyo. Do you think it hurts his... Even if he just trains Iron like an Ironman? He probably does anyway. I mean, it's probably just changing things, like adding in a long ride and a long run. I don't think it'd change things drastically. But, yeah, once you go long, you learn. Yeah, so, so he's not actually doing it. It's, but it's very unlikely that I could do it in the next two years, but I could build up my endurance and then go back after. Great headline, got Bevan all excited. Oh, it so did. And then he let him down. Oh, Chris, Chris Gloucester, you, you threw me off there, mate. <laughs> <laughs> he's still, Tim Hemings, but I suppose, Tim Hemings content. do you think um, he'll do an Ironman anyway? Maybe not in Kona. Who knows? Mm, that'd be interesting. 
So the first race, we, we, this is our end of year show, first race of 2016 of any noteworthy, you know, noteworthiness. There's a few 70.3s batting around, but so the first Ironman we focus on for the year is... I mean New Zealand? No, Australia. Challenge Monica. Oh, sorry, Monica. Challenge sorry. Monica. We'll be down. Are you going down or not? Doing um, voice work, mate. Good. Good. Yeah. Uh, I'll call you across the line. Good. So last year... I'll stop we- the race and I'll stop... Won't anyone else come across the finish line? Yeah. I'll say, everyone wait. As you come in, that little lip in the head. Good. Yep, that's what I do for you. Uh, Dougal Allen took it out last year from Mikey Twelsick and Matt Russell. and then But we had our first Athlinks finish. It was a good old Arnold Slikov. It was in, in 9 hours 54, which is pretty respectable on that course. Uh, he, that's like an hour slower than what he would go and wrote, just to give you a reflection of how slow that course is. Mm. Um, it's a tough day at the office. Rob Dallymore was our second Athlinks finisher in the 30-39s, uh, 10 hours and 43 and Ben Washington went 11-11, was our third Athlinks finisher. And he went just uh, two weeks ago, went sub-10 in Ironman Western Australia. Wow. So nice big big gains there. And then on the, so Wanaka is on the 22nd of February. Uh, they have the full, the half. One thing I did notice this year is uh, they do a, put a sprint distance race on. Oh, really? Uh, maybe this is the first year they're doing it. And Wanaka? In Wanaka, they put a sprint distance race on, obviously, when we were out on the bike and the half and the cool. full and stuff. They used to do that in the, in the old days. Ironman New Zealand, I'm pretty sure I've got this right, they used to put the Kiwi Kids triathlon on when they were out on the bike. Because back oh, then, it's cool, it was, yeah. a, it was a way, out, way out and back. So you, people were out on the bike for five hours. Yeah, so five wasn't hour a double window to, to do it. So uh, on the girls' side of things, last year, Yvonne Van Vlerken took it out um, from Laura Siddle and Meredith Hill with Julia Grant in third place. First athletes finisher on the girls' side of things. Oh, come on, girls, pick up your game. <laughs> pick up your game. If you, went to, if you went to Wanaka last year, you haven't claimed your results on athletes. Get on it, people. Okay. So there you go, athlinks.com. Keep all your results in one place. Thank you, guys. We're going to put an interview with Dr. Tamsin Lewis, the sporty doc, and uh, we're going to be talking about some pretty technical stuff. So here we go. Here's Tamsin Lewis. Okay, guys, I've just uh, we've got a Skype conference call rolling, and I checked the last time we checked in with our current guest, Dr. Tamsin Lewis, and it was nearly, nearly over two years ago. So she's back. We haven't heard anything from her lately, but if you follow Sporty Doc or any of her Twitter feeds, she's been uh, she is keeping nice and busy. She's got a bubba running around. So Tamsin, welcome back to the show. Hi, nice to be here. Thanks for touching base. Her, what are you Harold's up baby to now. these yeah, days? Oh, sorry, Harold's baby. She is 20 months, so she'll mm. be two in end of March. Mm. Yeah, and, and we're going to see you coming back to the uh, the top flight of racing. I know I saw you do a sub three-hour marathon. I think it was uh, early in the year. So what are you doing to keep yourself fit these days? I'm doing mostly running, to be honest. Um, I've realized that you can't do everything, and I think I quickly realized that if I wanted to do triathlon again, I couldn't just do it just to take part. And I did one, and I did okay, but I didn't really enjoy any of it apart from the run, which was the only bit I actually done me training in. So I figured that for now, while I'm trying to create a business, trying to live a life, um, trying to have a little one, I think that I can't do it all. So I've decided that I'm not going to do triathlon for a while, and I'm trying to do a bit more strength work and running and trying to keep physically well, put it that way. But never say never, and, you know, when she's in school, maybe I'll – tick the Kona box but you know I'm, I'm changing my changing my thinking a lot around what actually constitutes health um well-being and do I want to live longer healthier or be a very strong 
or a successful endurance athlete. And I think the two are difficult to kind of draw together on the same path. Put it. Yeah. So you, you, you tell us a bit about what you've been doing in terms of, um, you know, you've been collecting blood, you've been collecting all sorts of good stuff to try to understand people's sort of hormonal and adrenal um, functions a bit more. So I, I thought if we take it back to basics, you know, sure. can you maybe give us, a, you know, get into to lecturing mode in terms of your, your education? Because I know a lot of people won't have any idea about what their hormonal system is or their adrenal system. So maybe if we can start by just doing a very basic intro on on what they are and then we can kind of lead into what you've been doing and and how you've been monitoring um, people's health through those um, through sort of you know blood samples etc sure so I got on my own um, th- th- this whole journey about being interested in what constitutes um, what, what can contribute to optimal performance through you know being immersed in the professional athlete sphere where you're trying to get the most out of your body and I started to look at the research and I started to listen to a few people um, research professors who knew about blood biomarkers um, and how they could relate to health and performance and I looked at my own blood and um, I started to realize that certain things in my blood weren't optimal for example you know to, to talk about the basics it was more around the iron vitamin d magnesium and then i started to delve a bit deeper into looking at hormones um and looking at sex hormones so for women that would be estrogen and progesterone and and testosterone but lesser of of lesser importance than it is in men and in men of, of course you've got testosterone and then you've got the conversion of testosterone to other hormones like estrogen in men so i started to look at the whole picture of blood health and how it how it related to performance and when i started to manipulate some of those biomarkers i started to see changes in my own performance and so i thought this is a kind of paradigm that i'd like to try and bring to other people um, and that's why I set up the company Kira Seven back in 2013, and it's grown from there. And now I have a network of practitioners that work with me in order to sort of look at blood and urine and stool and saliva, so all of these bio substances, with a view to trying to personalise um, and optimise health and indirectly performance. So, are you doing a lot of this remotely in terms of the Absolutely. collections and 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 yeah, it's just people go and get the blood drawn locally and then you sort of get the results and then you interact with them? How does it sort of work? Yes, and it, it, I do. I mean, different companies around the world offer this kind of service. In the US, it started off with a company called Wellness FX, um, who were offering direct-to-consumer, as we call it, um, blood testing. So they would say you can go to a lab, get your blood test done, and it would give you a nice readout of where you sit in terms of optimal zones in your blood. So we got, um, I got involved with them, and so we were able to use blood test data from anywhere in the world and feed it into their program and look at how people sat, um, as, as I said, in respect to optimal zones for their health and dem- demographic. So now I mostly look at people in London and Europe, but I also have consultations with people in, you know, Thailand and United Emirates and less from New Zealand and Australia to be honest but um mm. yeah we do a lot of consultations remotely um is it obviously you know we, we all know you can go to the doctor and get your blood test and they're going to tell you yep you're, you're down and iron or, or whatever it might be and take a little bit of this and that um 
how different is it for you when you're looking at a, a set of results for athletes as opposed to you know what you might go and get from your general practitioner who's just looking at the general population? Do you look at things and obviously I know you look at things in a bit more detail, but are the readings and the markers you're looking for in athletes um, significantly different to what um, the general population sort of the levels they're looking for? So you can get a lot of data just from a standard blood test. Um, but it's dependent on who's analyzing that data. So for me, I remember going to get blood tests from my GP and they would just say, all say it's normal, whereas my mm. iron level for an athlete was actually far suboptimal. I just wasn't anemic, which is often what I see. We see this sort of non-anemic iron deficiency. Um, and for women, that's very, very common. I think for the majority of endurance females who um, even, Actually, I won't go into that level of detail, but the, the majority <laughs> of endurance females do run low on the iron marker ferritin. Um, mm. And if we optimize that, then then performance and subjective well-being improves. So it might be that um, they find it hard to get going, for example. Um, they might just be able to go long, slow, steady for four hours, but not have any top end. And that's often correlated with, uh, with iron deficiency. In men, it's less common because one, they don't lose as much iron in um, blood. But then mm -hmm. again, a lot of women these days don't have cycles. One, because they're endurance athletes or two, because they're on a contraceptive device. Um, but for men, uh, we still see low ferritin significantly in, in a number of people, low iron. And that can be related to losses of iron as a mineral in the sweat and also through foot strike in running. So it's a, it's a, it's a problem for men and women. Um, and the, the, the solution is not to just go and take iron because for a lot of people, especially in athletes, there can be inflammation in the gut and iron can be very irritant to the gut. So the solution isn't just to go and take more iron supplements. We like to look at the diet and then we like to look at seeing whether um, they might be able to get elemental iron into the diet through other means like cooking in iron pots and um, and if if the if that's not possible then we do things like give iron infusions for people. So so like if we think about the, the general endurance athlete, they kind of live under fatigue, and so you know for someone who is listening to this, you know like it's one of those things that maybe everyone thinks shit I'm tired, do I have a bigger problem? And so how do we identify that? I suppose maybe getting the test is the answer, but how do we identify that, you know, maybe I should get something like a test because maybe my levels are getting out of balance or, you know what, I'm just a big, a big training block right now and maybe I just need some good sleep and good nutrition? Um, I think, I mean, I'm a, I'm a big test freak, so I like to get all the data and see where people are at. And I often like to test people when they're well, just because then their blood then reflects all the levels of how they are when they're well. Um you know, if if you are in a big training block and then you have a rest and you have a rest week and you recover and you feel great, then I'm like, good, you know, we don't particularly need to do anything. But if you're stuck in a rut, in a training rut, you're not improving, you're not adapting to the performance, you're having a level of, uh, you're not adapting to the training, you've got a level of fatigue that just won't go away. Perhaps it's a particular time of the day. Maybe you're experiencing, you know, insomnia. Maybe you can't sleep as well as you used to. Maybe you're more irritable than you used to. Maybe for guys, you're lacking your libido, your, you know, your sex drive. Maybe, you know, that kind of aspect. You might be um, 
uh, what's it, what, I mean, those are the most common things that I they, that I ask people. You know, are you different from how you felt at your best? Are you able to recover and adapt? Um, and does a training, um, as, does a break in training, does a, a couple of days rest make you restore you? And if it doesn't, and you still are forcing yourself out the door, then I think we need to look a bit deeper. And I picked on iron just because it's a simple thing, but in reality, I'm a, I'm a big picture person. I look at as many factors as I can. And, you know, often it is that the, your general blood test from your general doctor is is totally normal and there's nothing to see. You know, you, you might just need a few tweaks with your iron and magnesium. Um, but it's very infrequent that they'll actually do, your, they'll test your sex hormones or your adrenal hormones, which is why I look a bit deeper and use different tests for that. Mm. Well, you know, obviously, a lot of us are very passionate about nutrition, and and you know, a lot of people's diets are just straight up pretty shitty, even though they think they they, they might be you know okay. Um, how often is it for you when you see someone who is in a state of you know dysfunction? Um, is it usually nutrition based, or is it often you know overtraining or just massively stressed and and not getting enough sleep you know where, where, where do what are the most common causes of people getting themselves into a real um a real hole what are the most common causes the most common causes is pushing through when you should have probably taken a break when there's additional stress in your life whether that be relationship stress life stress work stress whatever the source of stress is your body perceives it all the same so forcing yourself out on a hour threshold run when you've had a really hard day at work um, and then you know getting home and just eating whatever you can find in the fridge is not conducive to recovery and adaptation and feeling good um, I so there is an aspect of that that pushing through just because of this whole sort of concept of I need to do this much training in order to improve you need to take the context that that the person's in in order to help them best ha train how they need to in order to adapt and improve so that's one aspect the other aspect is people have long-standing sort of minor issues like gut dysfunction so um, they might have mild food intolerances they might have intermittent diarrhea you know constipation or they might just be going to the loo quite a lot in a day and they don't think anything of it because they eat a lot because they're an athlete so I see a lot of that as well um, a lot of people that have sort of you know, borderline what we call leaky gut, which is mm -hmm. essentially, you know, inflammation in the gut, which is letting things through into the bloodstream that aren't meant to be there, which then sets off a chain of inflammation and, um, and problems sort of upstream that over time can impact someone's ability to restore themselves. Do, do Does that make sense? Do you Do you find that there are trends with endurance athletes? Do I find there are trends? Um, the main trends I see is sort of like this epidemic of high cortisol people. Now, high cortisol is sort of like medium-term stress hormone. The immediate stress hormone is adrenaline, so the fight-or-flight hormone. And then cortisol is your kind of let's rise, um, let's get this hormone up to kind of keep you running at a level. And so a lot of endurance athletes have high cortisol for X amount of time. And if they don't support that, the production of that cortisol through the right nutrition, through the right sleep, rest, recovery, then 
the precursor to that hormone depletes. And that's when you run into trouble. So I see a lot of people with low, what they call DHEA levels, which is an adrenal precursor hormone. Um, and those are the people that fatigue quicker and get more frequent illnesses, coughs and colds. So I try and um, teach people about how to prevent um, that sort of adrenal insufficiency occurring. So um, by all the lifestyle measures that I that we've kind of touched upon. So that is one really common factor I see is that this this high cortisol over time. And these are the people that that like I said, they get frequent coughs and colds. They perhaps um, don't um, that they get more muscle weakness than your average person. So they don't they're not they don't strengthen. They don't adapt to the exercise because there's something called the testosterone cortisol ratio. So cortisol breaks down muscle, testosterone builds it up. Um, mm -hmm. It. And if you run too high on cortisol, um, you 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 impair that balance. So I tell people that you know, and with this whole sort of trend of doing high fat, higher fat, lower carb um, approach to endurance exercise, that it that tax the, taxes the stress system, so it increases your cortisol. Now, if you do that for a long period of time, it can lead into the the, the problems that we've mentioned with adrenal insufficiency. So I say to people, if you're gonna do the high fat, low carb approach, you are at risk from overtraining, you know, adrenal burnout, unless you cycle carbohydrates and you eat enough fat, because a lot of people don't do it properly. Mm. Um, yeah, got that. <laughs> in, in terms of the, the remedies and stuff, um, you know, how big are supplements and stuff in, in your world? You know, obviously, a lot of people will be listening to this thinking, oh, you know, they, they clearly know they're not getting enough sleep and they know they're a bit, bit, on, bit on the edge um, and they do their best so they can with, with you know, having as healthy a diet as, as they possibly can. So how big a part do supplements play in, in recovery and do you believe that they you know, can help a lot of people or not? I, I do use a lot of supplements, actually. Um unfortunately but just because of the, the the kind of quality of the nutrition that we have available to us on a day-to-day -day basis for the demands that we place on our body as an athlete and for the reasons that you've just mentioned um i i have a low threshold for giving people certain strategic uses of, of, of vitamins and minerals so i think a high quality multivitamin is is good um depending on where you source it from um i don't know what you have available to you there but i use a company um, called Thorn or Designs for Health that use what they call the methylated forms of B vitamins, which are the highly absorbed versions. I get people to use omega-3 fatty acids, so fish oil, um, mm -hmm. at a minimum of 1,000 milligrams a day, sometimes up to 4,000. Um, vitamin D is another very important one. But, I mean, some people, depending on your genetics, will absorb different amounts of vitamin D. So uh, I, I often like people to, to know their vitamin D level and, and see how they respond to supplementation because the best way of getting vitamin D into the body is through the skin. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So, yeah, definitely a high-quality multi, B vitamins, omega-3s, um, another one that I use regularly. I guess for, uh, some athletes, uh, when they're having sleep disturbance or they're not getting enough deep sleep, I do use a very low dose of melatonin, um, one milligram, at night which which can help um 
Yep. And other supplements to boost hormones if that's a problem. In, in terms of this process on an on ongoing basis, you know, so you go off and you get your blood tests or you do your stool samples or your urine samples and you get your initial readings. How, how regular is this in terms of you having interaction with people and, and how often do they actually go off and get this testing done? Is it, you know, monthly, quarterly, you know, twice a year, once a year? How does it sort of work? Well, it, it very much depends on someone's financial situation and, and the depth of testing and, and sort of how bad the initial test results are because, you know, for some people they they want to know all their data and if, if they get, you know, if they spend, I don't know, $500 on tests and things come out that show that there are problems, then we like to look a bit deeper. Um, for some people they might just need advice, so they just do a one-off and then they'll test maybe a year later but it, it, it very much it depends on your your finances and how much you want to invest in improving your performance through through you know through looking at your test data um yeah i mean that is the bit the biggest limiter really because i think over time as we get more medical devices available to us the cost of testing is going to go down mm. you know a company now in the states has done um a patch that you can stick on your skin which measures which can measure not just your mineral levels but it's also measuring oxygen levels and um and eventually it will measure things like testosterone and cortisol that we have to take a full blood test for so i think the cost of testing is going to dry up come down and with that we're going to get more data and with more data we're going to be able to recognize more trends and patterns and then we're going to be able to teach technology to recognize those patterns and take the cost of someone like me interpreting it out. And therefore, more people will be able to access this kind of system over time. Don't, don't go taking yourself out of the equation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, do you know, it, it ta- at the moment, it takes a lot of time to go through. If I have someone's stool test, I have their Dutch test, which is the dried urine test. I have 150 biomarkers in the blood and I'm looking at it all going, you know, now I can look at it and get a snapshot and say, well, I, I can see what type of person you are and what you need. But if I go back to what actually I do for people, I think, you know, there is the hormonal aspect of the thing with, with women, which is huge. You know, mm-hmm. I, I'm seeing an epidemic of women that have got um, low progesterone and ovulatory cycles, you know, borderline infertility problems. And then as they get older, I'm seeing more and more people that are going into early menopause. So premature ovarian failure probably as a result of the stress caused by excessive endurance exercise and inadequate nutritional and um, micro and mu- macro and micro nutritional support. So in- insufficient energy to support their body's demands, essentially. So that is one aspect that I'm really interested in and I'm seeing a lot of in women. And then in men, we're seeing the whole, you know, low testosterone, low libido, um, massive issues with that. With regards to so, oh sorry, just with regards to you know you're in the moment now and you're kind of thinking this could be a, you know I'm lacking energy and you know I feel that you know what Tamsin's talking about I'm identifying with, so that's kind of dealing with it now. How much does it help us see ongoing health problems that we may face in the future? How just reframe that again for me? So like you know like how much does this kind of testing help us see bigger problems that we may have to face in the future? right now like you know so as, as when we first came on this call john mentioned something like chronic fatigue syndrome now i do see a lot of athletes that have, have been borderline overtrained for a long period of time 
and they do develop something like a chronic fatigue syndrome picture, which essentially is, to me, as a scientist and a doctor, what they call mitochondrial failure. Mitochondria are the powerhouses of the cell. They take the energy from fats, carbohydrates, um, and protein, and they mix it all up and give you energy. It's obviously more complicated than that, but <laughs> fatigue syndrome is yeah. um, is essentially you know mitochondrial failure. We we put a lot of um, we put on a mitochondria and a lot of hard work as endurance athletes, and if you don't support them properly, then it might be that over time you could develop this mitochondrial failure picture, which is you know essentially what I see in a lot of people, and I and it takes a lot longer to get them back when they're that down that far than it does when I test them. I do something called the Dutch test, which you can buy anywhere in the world. It's an at-home urine test, which gives you a sort of diurnal pattern of adrenal and sex hormones. That's a daily pattern of adrenal and sex hormones. So with the with the way of looking at that is I in, intervene before someone gets, you know, completely burnt out. Um, and, you know, so so there is that. There's the chronic fatigue. There's the whole issue with, with women and, and infertility. So people are leaving it longer and longer in order to get pregnant because, they're, 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 you know, they're doing too many things in their lives. They've been on the contraceptive bill for, pill for like 10, 15 years, and they just assume when they come off it at the age of 35 that they'll be fine. Often they're not. So that's, that's one issue. Um, uh, the other one is, you know, in women, bone density. Um, as related to the whole concept of female athlete triad so that is essentially an energy insufficiency picture so that the demand exceeds supply in terms of what you eat and how you live um, so I see a lot of um, bone density issues in athletes um, which may not be a problem now but it might be you know in 10 years time and it's very hard to build back that bone density at the age of 40 um, so those are all things um, that I see. I also see chronic viral pictures. So people have got, you know, viruses that sit around in their body and when their immune system's depleted, they're unable to sort of fight them off as well. Gut issues, as I've mentioned already, that, that whole leaky gut issue, gut inflammation. We all know that endurance exercise taxes the gut hugely, you know, especially endurance exercise in the heat. We've seen, um, what's he called, Chris Lee, Crossed the finish line in, in Kona. I think can't even remember the year. Do you remember the year, John? Uh, it would have been two thousand ish or something like that. Yeah, I mean, he essentially shut his gut down. He he had sort of what the you know the equivalent of a heart attack in the gut because of the extreme heat and exertion of exercise. So he, yeah, what they call infarcted the gut. So yeah, it can be pretty pretty dangerous. Um, so. I think I think what if there's one takeaway I'd say get a snapshot of your body if the blood test is the only thing you can do get a snapshot see what you look like I've tested a lot of elite athletes I've tested some amateur athletes and one really interesting thing is in in elite athletes they tend to maintain blood values higher than your average amateur athletes now whether that's they because they spend more time and investment in a healthier diet and recovery than amateur athletes I don't know but they tend to have higher hemoglobin levels the blood blood oxygen carrying molecule they tend to have higher maintained testosterone levels and they tend to maintain higher levels of vitamin d and iron as well so that's a correlative picture that I've seen I think it's probably because amateur athletes don't invest enough time 
in the recovery and nutritional protocols necessary to support themselves. Um, this is all genetic, Sorry, I forgot to say there's obviously a big genetic resilience factor there as well because elite athletes become elite athletes for a reason, you know, that they they have higher hematocrits, they have, you know, they're more genetically susceptible to, to that aspect as well. Yeah. So, look, I know we've very much just scratching the surface and we'll try to cover as much as we can sort of in 20 odd minutes um yeah. where are people where, where can people go to find out more not just about what you do but you know if they want to delve into this topic a bit more what's what, what are sort of the best places to go to check all this stuff out and obviously um where can people find you well do you know that the guy that who opened my mind to all this years ago was um actually a guy called ben greenfield who you probably know mm. yeah Mm. Um, and I was really skeptical about Ben because he just seemed like he was <laughs> a snake's, snake oil um, especially being very American. And I started to listen to his podcast and I took a lot of what he said with a pinch of salt. But he essentially opened my mind to thinking about things a little bit differently. And then I went off and did my own research. So I then trained in functional medicine, so which is a different paradigm and different approach to medicine, um, to sort of health. You know, it's looking at all the things I've said, root cause analysis, why have you ended up like you ended up, rather than just giving you a pill for your symptoms. So I, my company at the moment is Curious 7, but we are relaunching as Fiber F-I-B-R, Health next year in January. So the aim will be to to draw together a team of, of doctors and um, health coaches to kind of support people through the behavior change necessary behind their test data. Mm. Because so, um, that's the thing, isn't it? It's, it's often, yeah. you know, we, we can tell people they need to change, but often the ability to change is the biggest challenge, isn't it? Uh, it's, it's the ability and it's the driver. It's, it's you know, how much are you motivated by the end state? Mm. You know, I can tell people tomorrow that they're going to burn out if they do four Ironman this year, but un until they experience that burnout or symptoms associated with it, you know, they might not listen to me. Yeah. But if, mm. if you tell people you need to get to what is their driver and what motivates them most. Um, and I tell people to do less and their performance can improve. And it's getting people on, on board with that. You know, they still think they need to do their long, slow, steady five hour endurance rides. And sometimes actually, you know, doing a half an hour strength session is more beneficial than doing a, you know, a four hour bike ride. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you've discussed that. Um, mm -hmm. So behavior change is a big one, um, but like I said, it, it, it depends on what motivates you. And I think once you've had illness in your family or in those close to you, people are more likely to feel that their behavior now will affect how they are in 10, 15 years' time. Mm, absolutely. Awesome. Oh, Tamsin, we thank you for your time. It's a topic that, yeah, I know there's a it's probably overlooked people just focus on their training and maybe they can just focus on a few other areas to actually improve their performance so thank you for your time and good luck with the the any upcoming running and uh we will catch up with you and we'll give make sure you pop us a note once that um that you know new rebranded website's up and running i will do thanks for your time guys awesome mate thank you awesome jumbo your thoughts it was great stuff yeah really mm. really interesting I th one thing i'm I think this is all fantastic and I think what we've got to make sure we point out and as Tamsin would I'm sure would agree with this and likewise we had the guys talking about heart rate variability which I've been keeping up day. oh yep yeah, the problem is just on it I'm I'm very consistent and you know what you're worried about getting out of your bed mm. you can do it in your bed 
Because the thing is, the light. Trust me, I can't do it in my bed. Oh, really? Blind would go ballistic. No, no, seriously, because like basically, do, what do you do for an alarm? Um, phone. Yeah, so the phone goes off. You literally just put the blanket over yourself, put your finger down, and it's not the light doesn't light up. Yeah. Because you put it on your finger, like I do it every morning. Joe's never even noticed I've done it. Yeah, I think. I, well, yeah. Try, John. Yeah. Try, but you kind of got to do it for a month before you really get any good feedback. So I've been doing it for about thirteen days now. So, but yeah. But I think one of the things that we can take from some people might take the message of doing that and of TAMS and stuff, and then you look at all this information you can get from training peaks in terms of your training stress and all that sort of thing. My worry is people are going to stop training hard. Um, and and I, yeah. I, I, that's the thing. I, I don't think these guys want that to be the message. They want to say, these are some tools it's you can do. When and when not so to. you're not going over the edge. But I think what we've got to point out is if you want to get better at the sport, you've got to train your ass off. And you've got to go really deep and you've got to push hard. Um, but you just got to make sure you don't go over the edge. And that's when it can get really shitty. And that's when you can end up in pretty bad places. But I think that's my concern about all these things is – Excellent tools, really, really good, but you still got to go out there and train your ass off and not go. I just always remember when I was in Hong Kong and I was um, a training partner for their sort of guy who ended up going to the Olympics over there, and they had a team of, of athletes there that they weren't that great. They were t- trying to turn them into athletes, yep. and they'd be doing da- daily blood tests, measuring their CK and things like that, and they'd be quite often, they'd be saying, oh, no, you need to take it easy today. No, but it's daily. <clears throat> Sorry? Yeah, no, just a tiny pinprick oh, in okay. the air. Be like, you know, when you get a lactate yeah, test, yeah. Uh, and they'd be t- telling them to take easy. I'm like, they're just not training hard enough. Okay. Um, and so I think we've got to look at this stuff, use it, but not, we can't become soft cocks and not go out <laughs> and, and not train hard. <laughs> Otherwise, you're just not going to get to the level that you, you possibly can. Well, I suppose, but over time, you know, look, we look at training picks now, you like your training stress scores and all this kind of stuff, is you are learning better to how to train better. Like, mm-hmm. I think about when I was doing Ironman. I didn't use any tools mm-hmm. at all. The speedo, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. if that. And would I be a better athlete now with the tools we have? And I think I would be. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And because I could make wiser decisions around yep. my training. And so really you, what you're saying is don't neglect the hard work, yep. but learn to use these tools in a way that allows me to manage the overall balance of being a great athlete. And so, so you know, Epicamp him is a good example. If you if you took any readings through Epicamp, you think it's going to be lighting up telling you, what the hell are you doing? You know, just yeah. stop training, don't do this. And it's fantastic. If you did Epic Camp every bloody week or every yeah. month, then you'd smoke yourself. So, yeah, I think what Tamsin's doing is, is really interesting and, and, and I think a lot of us can learn a lot from it. Um, but we've still got to go out there and kick some ass in training. But, yeah, great stuff. Kick some ass. Okay, uh, let's put some music on. Statistic, it's fantastic. Okay, John, what's this about? The Pulo, the Punto sisters. Yes. So these people, tell us about these people, guys. Well, I'd like to know a lot more about the Punto sisters. I actually, I did get in touch with them, but they're, they're French Canadians, and I got this gobbledygook sort of reply from one of them. Um, so I am going to try. They don't speak English. 
They do, but I think it's um, Fringlish sort of, you know. Okay. Um, but I would love to get them onto the Legends okay, show because I don't know as much about them as I would like to. And, and so for the, let's say this is someone who's just started listening to the show. Who were they and why are they important? So the Puntos sisters would go after races and just crush it together. And I can't, I don't, it was before my time. I'm not sure which was more dominant than the other, but they won, they've won Hawaii. They've, they were really good at ITU distance. They won or, or did each of them win it or did only one of them I remember it? one of them got disqualified once for, oh. winning, for getting some outside assistance somewhere you know inc- i think it was incidental but so, so did um baker one time didn't she she got like a water from somewhere and she got an outside don't assistance. think that was hawaii she definitely did somewhere i remember that but i don't think it was hawaii could have been sylvia pintoros is a canadian 40 former triathlete who won the ironman world championship in 20, uh, 83 84 beating her sister patricia into second on both occasions she was the first non-aware american winner of the ironman world championships well, that's my stat for today Stat slash fact. Canadian Sylvine Puntos becomes the first non-American winner in 1983 when she captured the women's title in 10 hours 43.36. So was this for both female and men, non-American? Probably was, eh? I'd say probably was. Because probably the Germans were the first to be a non-American to win it. No, I think that's another stat. I've known that for another day. Okay, save that for another day. Yeah. So... Last week we had the first female Linda Mare and it was in 79 and she went 13, was it 12.55? Yeah, it was just and under so 13, yeah. So within a couple of years, or four years, gone down to so 10.43. 10, 10, 10, 10.43, was it? Mm, so they, were they identical twins? I think, they look at them, they're identical twins. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so there you go. 1983, first non-American winner and was a female. I wonder if they have Sylvain a picture of them now. Puntos. Just, I'm just in that Google search thing where you kind of podcasting oh, pictures. Great yeah, pictures. That picture looks wicked. Oh man, look at that one. Yeah. Oh, that one there. They've got their old bike, John. Gosh. It's gold. So they, they were certainly around the sort of the Aaron Baker era. Uh, even or just, before that, really. Even they? just a little bit before. So there you go. Good That's fantastic for this week. Hit me look with some that music, bike. Look at that there. Oh, that was the old uh, front front rear disc. And the front disc was uh, a small, small wheel. So, small size. Why did that, that go away? Uh, the front disc was more of a safety issue because uh, you know it's pretty easy if you got both discs on you get blown around pretty easy. That was amazing. But I mean reason. the angle because that's a pretty good aero position. Yeah, I think that was just ended up being a, a sort of a UCI ruling. Oh, so it was actually just okay because mm. mm, you kind of look at how low that guy is. Mm. Uh, music, okay, here we go. Okay, we're back. We're going to do Coach's Corner. But turns out we've already done that one before. Yeah, I wasn't sure because it kept getting delayed when we had a few big shows and I was, we were cutting content out. I thought, slap it in today. Slap it in. I think I'd already done it. It was around some, some bike tips for newbies when you're travelling in terms of um, bike. how to do you get what sort of bike bag to get and booking your flights. So what I'm going to do tips. is I'm going to do random questions for the coach. Well, I was thinking this could be a decent new topic is 
people could send you quick general trivia questions and see if you can stump me. Now they can't be too stupid, but my if this was mastermind, my area of strength <laughs> would be triathlon. Special, no, special, John Newsom, what is your specialist area? Specialist area would be ITU distance from probably about 90, 93 to 2000 is probably my specialist topic. Yep. Um, but generally, I think I'd, I'd do okay. Okay, so hit me, hit me with some questions. Well, they're me. not really quizzes. It's more, what has been the biggest advancement to help triathletes this year? This year? Hmm. This year? Hmm. Bloody hell. That's quite specific. I was about to say power meters in terms of biking. I think, I, well, I, I think it's probably the tools, the, the computer tools. You know, like the indoor training tools, if you know what I mean. Like, oh, oh yeah, you get what I mean. Like, but you know, your train road and your. I know they've been a couple of years in there, but sort of yeah, but that's been a big step forward. I think that'd be for age groups. I don't think that would be so much for the for the pro athletes. No, I think next year will be stride. I think next year will be power and running. Bevan and I've got a stride coming our way that's to do some, yeah. some, uh, some, so we can actually try to give you guys some good. Do feedback I need a different GPS watch, or does it just work with what you've got? Depends what GPS watch you've got. Yeah. So, time to invest. Yeah. I bought you one for Christmas. That's what I got you for a Christmas present. Oh, yeah. Nice. Cool. Keep that on. The yeah. Keep that on. So, no, in terms of the elite athletes, hmm, one big thing. I'll tell you one big thing I'd like to see happen for the elites is that 20 meter draft rule and see what. Well, you didn't ask Tim about it. Why didn't you ask Tim? You pulled out of that question. We had it written down. Well, I was conscious that he was in the laundry. <laughs> <laughs> he turned off the washing machine. This was on last week's show when we were interviewing Tim yeah, He was he in the laundry. washing machine off. He was in the laundry. And then about halfway through, you could hear his kids screaming in the background. I was like, oh, I've got a few more questions I'd like to ask here, but we better start wrapping this up. So, no, in terms of for the elite athletes, what has been a game changer? I can't see any game changes. No, actually, the big advancement over the last couple of years has been the advent of the skin suit. If oh, yeah, it's true. Two, three years ago, the skin suits didn't really exist, but now everybody's racing with the um, you know down to your sort of elbow length skin suit, and that makes a difference when you're wearing something like that skin tight on the bike and uh, aerodynamically. I think that will be you know contributing to the slightly faster bike times, ever so slightly. Okay, here's a question: What's the biggest thing you've learned about yourself this year? This year, hmm. God, these, if, I need prep on these things. I oh, just think about the it. This thing I've learned about myself. Well, yeah, no, you can put it in athlete context or, or performance context. Learning more about nutrition, Bevan, and and playing around with it. So a lot of you guys, we've actually got a question on this later on. Uh, uh, you know, we've had a lot on the low carb, high fat, and and that's been the the you know that was the, the initial craze phase where everybody was sort of jumping on it, and now people are sort of starting to play around with it and modify it slightly and then Tim Noakes has, has been I was reading an article yesterday actually when we were coming back from Sydney it was actually two weeks ago uh, <laughs> about him and now he's kind of going off in one direction and some of his disciples past disciples students are kind of going off in another direction he's sort of yeah he sounds like he's going a bit uh, cray cray in terms of I read, an, I read an article of somebody who was quite critical of his academic process around this topic his current stuff has shifted away. For, you know, he used to be very get the science to back up what yeah. you're saying, whereas now it's, he's becoming much more of an advocate of his beliefs. Mm. And at this stage, doesn't have the really, really solid science to back it up. Yeah, which is, and there was there was the criticism of those because he's making these big statements. And at the end of the day, if we look at the scientific process, then this is a guy who was educated under me. He said, "The lessons you've taught mm. me would say I should." 
be a bit more kind of standard, you know, take a bit more time, if you know what mm. I mean. So I think for me, that's been the area of development for me is, is just learning more about nutrition, obviously through my study as well, learning a bit more about the processes of how actually... Have you learned about yourself through study? Uh, no, it's just a kind of old hat at that. No, I just, I know how study works. You know, there's one, one part of study is making sure you obviously get everything done and you get passed and you get good marks. Um, so I sort of need to make sure I keep ticking that box. But then there's also the other side of you know trying to learn as much as I can. So mm. it's not just about passing. So no, I'm just I'm enjoying playing around with different nutritional approaches. Do you know what the one thing I've learned most this year, and it's, it's something it's really been quite powerful in my life, is my ability to be focused on whatever thing I'm doing right now. Mm-hmm. You know, like in my in my past, I was you know I'm pretty good at kind of getting my job done, whatever it is, and that thing, but. I always think of, you know, like I probably was really good at having an 80% day. So 80% day was, you know, you kind of focus most of the time, but you kind of come and go. But in the last, particularly last four or five months, I just seem to nail every day. You know, if I kind of wake up and say, here's what I want to achieve today, and not just as my sport, you know, but when, like if I jump on the piano, I have a really great piano session most of the time nowadays. Or if I, if I sit down to do work, I have a really great, and I just seemed yeah just uh, and it's really just about using great tools to set myself up Mm -hmm. so even now with piano one thing I do before every piano session now is I I write down what's the objectives and what so I have a strategy which I learned which has been really powerful and I kind of think this is something that people should think about doing as an athlete so you kind of go what's the goal for the session what strategies am I going to use and anything that I need to take from the last session to remind myself this time and then at the end of the session you you do your results. And so like, what I do is I kind of go, what's the objective of the session? I'm going to do a warm-up. I'm going to practice 25 minutes on the song. I'm going to do some ear work. I'm going to do, I don't know, writing work and so on. So you've got, and then I literally will put a timer on. So here's my objective. What's my goal for the session? What strategy am I going to use for that goal? So like, okay, I'm doing my blues scale. I'm going to go to get 140. What's my strategy? So on and so on. Now it takes me five minutes before a session mm-hmm. and probably five minutes at the end of the session. But jeepers creepers, I'm, it, my, my time spent on the piano is going so much higher. And for me, that's kind of what I'm doing in every aspect of my life right now is like if I'm going to sit down and work, okay, what's the objective? What am I trying to get out of this? What strategies am I going to use? And so I'm finding I'm being really focused. It's really rewarding. So my steam and my confidence is growing a lot because I kind of, you know, the product of being in that focused place is really good. But also like when I'm with Joe, and so it kind of flows onto all aspects of my life. And to me, that's been really powerful and then you kind of think about like one thing I always think about is why is it that some people think that they can have a certain life and what I mean by that is I remember I watched on Netflix this is really good documentary with Steve Jobs and it was when Steve Jobs basically you probably don't know much about Steve Jobs story but basically Steve Jobs started Apple Mm. and then about five or six years until he got kicked out of Apple Mm. and then in the interim he did this company called Next which was another computer company and it never really went anywhere it was kind of some aspects of it were quite genius and then many aspects of it weren't that successful but he had there's, there's an interview he did before he went back to Apple and um and it was really interesting because it was kind of it was he's pretty wise man so there's lots of good insight in there but um one one it was just that idea of this guy thinks he should be running a big international company and why is it that he or has that and why is it that I don't mm. you know and not that I I'm, I'm down on myself about that but that whole idea of why can't I be the person who has the thing that I ultimately want in my life? And, you know, like in many ways, I do have this cool life. But as I'm living in this place, the possibilities for myself is opening up quite a lot. So for me, it's probably process around living at a higher level. It's been really big for me. So, yeah, great. it's been my big thing. 
Anyway, um, oh. that killed five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Questions and answers. Okay, we've got a question from Robert Harrison. It's saying, just send an email to ITU with an idea about swim caps. I know you often look for the discussion topics, so this could be an idea to apply to Ironman. So basically, I'm a regular viewer of the Ironman, I'm oh, sorry, ITU World Triathlon Series and have an idea that may help identify triathletes in the swim portion of the event, thus making the viewing experience even better. Typically, it's difficult to identify individual triathletes during a swim, even for the commentators. Taking inspiration from F1 and cycling, it would be beneficial to give the top triathletes, e.g. those likely to be in the top 20 specific easily recognizable swim caps rather than a single color options that we currently see the top 20 from the previous year would be issued with a pack of caps that they would use during the season all the same in all itu events these caps could reflect their nationality and perhaps previous achievements like rainbow rings and and cycling i do believe this would add to the viewing experience and would help encourage the audience particularly those new to the sport what do you think now I think there'll be definitely a good reason why they don't 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 do this because it's kind of just makes sense, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's a great idea. But and I think so the you, reason you're trying to be devil's advocate here. No, I th- I'm pretty sure the reason why they don't do it is not just because they haven't thought of this before, but I think it kind of creates a little bit of an unfair advantage for the people perhaps that don't have swim caps. So you know, you know, if say Alistair Brownlee's wearing the, the purple swim cap, I'm always going to try to follow follow that dude there. Whereas if everybody's wearing the same sort of swim cap it's fair for everybody so i totally get it for the so what you think it's it's fair it's unfair for, for the, the drafting in the swim and and you know you, you could get targeted a bit you know if you're wearing you know alice brownie's wearing a purple swim cap you might get, go beaten, up. get beaten up a little bit and, and things like that so i think that's the rationale why they haven't do it it's not when, when the top fair. guys are out there do they know who they're swimming around well you know who you were swimming next to and around but if you do, you wouldn't know who was at the front of the bunch, or you wouldn't know if somebody's been dropped, or if some if there's another group off to the left. You know, you might have say two Brownleys and Varga off to the left, and you might have a bit of an inkling that they're over there. But if they'd done a little smart strategy to get over there, it would be kind of unfair. So I get what it's only a small advantage, but I think the whole thing with the ITU especially is it's got to be everything's got to be fair and e- as fair and even as it possibly can be so i think that's probably the reason why they wouldn't but my do argument it. to it will probably be robert's argument is that we want people to watch the sport yeah and a swim absolutely. is a mess to watch mm-hmm. no i would totally no absolutely. and to me that advantages isn't as much as the spectator no I, I would agree from a spectator's point of view i'd want to see it but i think that's why they what don't are they do doing it. the olympic long distance the 10k race what do they all wear the same cap uh, Can you remember? I can't remember. I didn't watch no, it. Neither. Okay, Sam Brown. Uh, greetings from Perth, Western Australia. And he's got the, the that must be a Western Australian thing, the W fingers. Do you, uh, any of your listeners or yourselves know about a top-notch Bevan word, top-notch, uh, HFLC website high, with high, introduction. High-fat, low-carb. Oh, okay, of course. Uh, uh, for info and recipes, even a cookbook if it isn't showing my age. Uh, so the, the guys that we've interviewed on the show in the past, a lot of you will, uh, regular listeners will know that we've had um, Grant Schofield from What the Fat, uh, so you can go whatthefatbook.com and that has, uh, not only does it have some recipes in there, they've got an ebook as well, but it also is explaining sort of um, the science and what have you behind it. They've got lots of good recipes. Yeah. It's a quite a good recipe book as well, isn't it? Yep. yep. And then, um, so they've kind of got a, They've got the science guy, which is Grant. Then they've got the dietitian, and then they've got um, the chef. So they kind of bring all those those three together. Um, then the, the the area that I sort of 
veer a little bit more towards is um, the, the metabolic efficiency, and their website is um, energy... Uh, E-N-R-G, performanceforward.com. And then that is um, Bob Sebaha and his group. And whilst they're not low-carb, high-fat per se at all, they're much more about you know, changing what you eat depending on what phase of training you're in on a daily and weekly and monthly basis. You know, So for example, if you've got a very light training day, then you're going to eat differently to what you would do on, a say, a day where you've got some really hard intervals in there. Um, so those are the two that I probably refer you off to. Um, and then the one that I use a lot in New Zealand for, in terms of a cookbook is the Nadia Lim cookbooks. Uh, and that's, again, it's more of whole foods type stuff, um, but it is low, lowish carb, and you can certainly modify a lot of the recipes to be pretty low carb, um, but just really good, wholesome foods that we find we can actually modify really easy for our son who's gluten-free and dairy-free, really easy to modify those if you've got any sort of allergies and stuff. So those are probably my three go-to places. Good times. Uh, and that's about it. It is. John's general advice. Oh, just yes, in terms of how I've played around with doing sort of low carb, high fat, and, and I certainly am not doing ketosis. I've done that a few times where I've sort of gone to that level. And when you do that, that's pretty restrictive. That's, you know, less than 50 grams of carbs a day. So you don't is, think it's worth it? I do it periodically. Okay. You know, so I think. If you go hardcore on the low carb, high fat, I reckon it's a fantastic way to get um, weight loss. And I'm, 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 I'm sort of staying in the low carb camp for most of the time, but certainly for my key sessions, I'm having having carbs and what have you. So I'm not sitting on the fence, um, but I'm generally more to going down the metabolic efficiency and whole foods path than just being this low carb, high fat um, advocate and just saying there's no other way. Uh, and I certainly don't sit there just eating lard and bacon and all that sort of stuff. It's more eating as much vegetables as I can and then making sure that I add fat in there to, to be you know, full and, and what have you, but it's, um, I'm finding it's working really well for me. Just as you were talking there, I was just quickly, I actually brushed the website, Nike's quest for the impossible. They want to try to hit the sub two hour marathon in 2017. Good luck with that. Um, Jombo, okay, sponsors. Athlinks.com. Social networking for endurance athletes. And we haven't done extreme endurance today. Oh. So good Christmas present. If you've got any last minute Christmas presents, go. go you better get there quickly. Get on xendurance.com. Um, the lactic buffer for you. If you you guys that are going through winter when the lurgies are starting to come through in the northern hemisphere, the immune boost just works gold for me in terms of if I ever feel I've got a bit of a lurgy coming on, take that. And really often it's, it helps me to sort of jump out of that phase and, and avoid the lurgy. If you're as sick as a dog, I mean, you, you the the damage has been done, but I find as a preventative measure, it works awesomely. And uh, if you're doing any winter running, you pommies, got any marathons or anything coming up, then uh, it's a great tool to make sure that your legs look after themselves, you reduce those DOMs and increase your performance. So check it out, xendurance.com. And remember to use the promo code IMTALK10, and that works on the EU site as well as the .com. And Kiwis and Aussies, you can get it off me. Okay, good times. Xendurance.com. Okay, John, it's patrons. Yes, we've got. I'm going to pull up a couple of pictures from our. Uh, I'm going to have a look, look at a couple of the highlights from our new website at imtalk.me. So if you become a patron, we've got swim caps you get as a bit of a reward. We've got um, beanies, depending on what level you come in. We've got our Kona uh, experience in 20, 2018. We'll be back over there. So support the show if you enjoyed the year with us. 
get on it. Really does, really makes a big difference, guys. So for those people, our patrons, you guys rock. And John's going to quickly put up a couple of names right now. You can go onto our patrons page, and we've got a beautiful photo gallery. I can see Timbo McClurg up the top there, the mountain snail and his old I Am Talk gear. Tim Hemming have talked about a lot of the last couple of weeks over there, and the Israel man wearing his I Am Talk gear. But Glenn Newbold at the start of the uh, Ironman New Zealand swim course. We've got somebody who sent through their picture of their broken pelvis. Who, who was that? <laughs> it was Tim uh, Beastie Besant. Oh, <laughs> nice. And uh, Lucy Francis who's sitting on the wall in Kona. So, yeah, get, up, get your pictures over to us. Tommy Morwood out there doing a bit of a exterior race. So send your pictures through and uh, share love. Okay, and lastly, sponsors. Athlinks.com. Social networking for endurance athletes. And extreme endurance. I've got to say a big thank you to our sponsors because they're a big reason this show happens. John, but over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be just putting up a couple interviews from other areas, so we'll make it work. I'll we get will. a couple of shows out. And we'll have our Legends of Triathlon show that will probably be out by now as well, but you can go and check that out with Bill Black, who was Spencer Smith's original coach over there in the UK and a real stalwart of the sport in the UK and really helped shape... In, in his way, you know, where you guys are today for the UK, which is one of the most dominating countries out there. Okay, Jumbo, you gossip quickly? No gossip, I'm lying on the beach in Kaiteri right now. How long now. you stay there for? We're going up on the, I'm flying up on the 19th, and we're there until about the 4th of January. Oh, nice. So it's going to be good times, Christmas in the sun, Kaiteri. Yep, us Kiwis have a summer Christmas. Big contrast. So I was in Sydney two weeks ago, and the beach was swarming oh, with I can people. Imagine. It was just heaving. Well, seven and, million people. Yeah, and then you go to Kaiteri pre-Christmas, we can have the whole beach. Although it's a swarming beach around New Year's. Sorry, around New Year's, that's a swarming beach. Yeah, it's not. No, it's not. Oh, I've been there, John. No, nah, I've been there. I'm there every year. Yeah, true. It's busy-ish, but it's not certainly not swarming. So thank you everybody for contributing through the year. We want to get loads more age groupers of the week. We want to hear more My First Tries. So go to imtalk.me, submit them. We're all out at the moment. So we want to hear about some good age group stories from 2016 that we can share with people next year. Um, we want to hear about your My First Tries and any other content you might have in terms of great websites you come across that maybe we haven't mentioned before. Uh, just send all that stuff through. Questions, generally with the questions, if we don't know the answer, I'll often go off and try and find someone that knows the answer. So anything you want to get us uh, rolling with in 2017, flick it through. Any special people you think would be awesome to interview, we're always looking for good content, so flick it on through. And uh, just going to say thanks for all your support this year, team. Have a wonderful holiday season, whatever, however you celebrate it, with all the people you love, and you know, let go a little bit. Have a bit too much to eat on Christmas Day. Go crazy. Go crazy, you know, even those who don't like the carbs. Yeah. Take a risk. Take a bit of sugar and go yeah. on, take a risk. And uh, we'll see you in 2017. We'll be back in the studios in a few weeks from now. But just once again, appreciate all your support and uh, keep on rocking. I'm Russ. I'm Mendo. Train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha. kaha.